0: You're listening to the Educated Athlete Podcast, a show dedicated to empowering athletes and practitioners to perform at their best through education. I'm Coach T, and I'm an exercise physiologist. If you want to elevate your game, take your fitness and support performance to the next level, or become a better coach, this is the podcast for you. Let's learn. All right, all right. I am beyond stoked to have Dr. Michael Garrison here with us for the Educated Athlete Podcast. Welcome. How are you doing, my man?
1: I am. I'm all good. It's, it's a beautiful day in Hawaii.
0: Yeah, living in paradise. We can't complain. We have yeah. no reason to complain. No. <laughs> life's too no, good. And all. you just moved down to Hawaii Kai too, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, we've been out here now for, oh gosh, it seems about five months. Yeah. But it might Incredible. be a little bit shorter. It's there's, beautiful. there's still some boxes. We still are like, you know, we did, I'm building beds in a grill this weekend. That's my, <laughs> my weekend. Life's Friday. good.
0: A little yes. paradise barbecue. Yeah. Nice. Yeah,
1: when we get that grill going, you know you're on your way
0: over here. <laughs> yes, I'll be there. Count me in for sure. Awesome. Well, I am beyond stoked to have you. Um, how about you give our, our viewers and our listeners just a little bit of background information about you?
1: Oh, sure. Uh, my name is Michael Garrison. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, you know, ran in high school, ran in junior college, uh, ran and raced bikes uh, as, during an undergrad at UC Davis. Um, took a year off or so after after school to race bikes some more which was pretty nice. fun uh, then I, no, I guess to back up I always wanted to be a coach so the, the goal has okay. always been coaching so my undergraduate degree is um, in technically in physical or it was physical education I'm part of the first ever exercise science class at UC Davis oh oh gee. We, we were we like all through we were physical education which you know okay. at, the, at the time like the, the undergrad major is brutal. I yeah. mean, it, it, we had OCAM physics, like I, everything. It was, it was really, it was, it was nasty, um, and it was physical education. So it sounded like we were handing out like badminton rackets <laughs> and things like that. So
0: gotcha. okay, yeah,
1: no, not not at all. Um, so undergrad and exercise science. Uh, then I went to Arkansas to uh, get a master's and wound up picking up a PhD there. Um, The the big reason to go to Arkansas is is I worked with Lance Harder, uh, who is one of the all-time great uh, college coaches. Legend. Absolute legend. legend. Uh, Very, very dear friend. Um, He just had a birthday last week. Nice. Uh, Happy birthday, Lance. Yeah, happy birthday, Lance. And everybody blow him up on his Facebook or Instagram, although I don't think he ever checks it. (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, worked with Lance for six years. And, and learned a ton and was, was able to really hone my craft there. Um, picked up a master's degree in business management or sport management. So I really wanted to learn more of the, the business side of whether yeah. it was in athletics or starting a company. Um, that was fantastic. And then just stuck around for a PhD in Kinesse.
0: Makes sense, um, why not?
1: Yeah, it, the college coaching is a really, really rough um, and competitive career path. Uh, you know, there's only so many jobs. Um, the, the pay is awful, for the yeah. most part. Um, the hours are pretty strenuous. And everybody just wants to keep throwing their name into the hat to, to get a job. Right. Uh, and so I essentially just kept going to grad school waiting for like the right opportunity to come up. Hmm. And once I got really deep in the program, it's like, oh, now I'm going to finish. Yeah. And of course that's when like little jobs will come up. They're like, you know, doing interviews and it's like, uh, nope. I'm going to stick around and their right. school. So fortunately I was able to finish and then went on to coach university of Maryland for three years. Um, and as um, many, many stories in life go, um, I met a girl
0: Yeah,
1: and, uh, in DC, I was living in DC. She was living in DC and she had a, an opportunity to move out here to Hawaii, uh, for a job. And she just like, she's like, Hey, you want to move to Hawaii? Yeah. Sounds good. And, um, Why so not? We, yeah. Um, it was, it was a bit of a leap. Um, we don't, you know, we'd only been together for a few months at that point, And uh, everyone thought we were crazy and it worked out well. Uh, we have two kids and uh, you know, love of my life and she's fantastic. Um, and then see, you know, did some work here. And then six years ago we started Hawaii running lab. Okay. Uh, so I coached full time. And right now, we coach around 50 athletes, roughly, um, that are on plan. We offer a couple different coaching plans and work with athletes all over the country. So awesome. we're, we're very, very fortunate.
0: What a beautiful story. I love it. I love the progression.
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, sorry, awesome. it's a long one. I'm a bit of yeah. a long winded dude. <laughs> no as worries. you already know, but no yeah, I love it. uh, And that's the, the way that we got here.
0: Yeah, wonderful. In, uh, as you were a college coach at Maryland, were you um, head of cross country? track? Technically,
1: I was the head cross country coach and assistant track and field coach.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: So I worked with um, at Arkansas, I just worked with women. Okay. Uh, And then uh, at Maryland, I had both the men and the women um, from 800 meters all the way through 10k. Quite the experience. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, you know, male and female athletes are, you know, very different in their in their own uh, in their own right. But then, you know, really this, the thing I, the primary thing I learned at Arkansas is that every single individual athlete is an individual athlete. Yeah. Even if it's viewed in a team sport lens, like we did at Arkansas, um, everybody is different. You can have, everybody can have the really similar goals. So you can be trying to train, you know, five women to run 1530 for a 5k and you know what, you can't train them all the same.
0: Right. Principle um, of individuality. Right. And yeah, going to be a high responder, or low responder to a different training stimulus.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And so really, you know, getting to know your athletes and figuring out, okay, what makes them tick, you know, and they, even just coming down to like, do they need to work out with a group? Do they need to work out kind of by themselves? Are they better right. off like um, more attention, less attention, um, an extra day off in between workouts or do we work out better in the morning or at night or you know exactly. there's, there's all these other things that that come into it and so I, you know really understanding where each athlete is um is is huge you know we can all we can all read the books and there's a lot of great ones out there that are like hey if you just follow this this plan you're going to be amazing right um but the challenge is okay that's like a 20-week plan to get you ready for whatever yeah. what happens in week seven when your kid gets sick and right. you don't have any daycare and you're not getting your runs in for the week yeah, or you know, or you get your second covid shot and Brutal. you're just you're Brutal. just Did
0: you get your second back. shot
1: no not yet i have my oh, first i had my
0: second pfizer oh. i was out for a day and a half shivers chills but
1: yeah Mine, mine's on cinco de Mayo, okay. so uh, nice. yeah nice well yeah, that's, hopefully
0: that's, you have a smooth great. second transition I will yeah. say, though, I also had COVID in March. It is much less worse than COVID. So, <laughs> okay. so. Yeah, so, so yeah, where does that back.
1: sit? Yeah. So, like, where, where do things like that sit in your training progression? Right. Uh, and how do we, you know, if it's, if it's just this static plan built for everybody, even if it's just having a voice that's like, okay, I'm on this plan, I believe in this plan. What are the workarounds if I miss this, this, and this? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, you know, you read it, you replug some things in and you figure out like, okay, here's what we missed. And, and this, you know, we essentially want to get, make sure we're dead on by, you know, say in that, in that example, like week 10, week 11, like how can we gradually get to where we're ready to go. And, and that's, I think the, the big one.
0: Got it. Yeah. That makes sense. So with your, your coaching experience, I'm sure you've worked with, Hundreds of individual athletes, as you shared, right? Um, yeah. I think it's important to talk on. The reason I wanted to launch this podcast is because I, as a collegiate athlete myself, like, I made a lot of poor decisions, to be honest. I didn't understand, like, <laughs> even the fact that, like, foam rolling is really good warm-up, and it will release pain and tissue and uh, release of fascia. And that uh, drinking, like, after a race is an incredibly bad idea, or for me, a football game. Actually, if you can just, like, <laughs> wait until the next day until your body recovers, you're going to be a lot better off. Right. Um, so with that, I wanted to launch this podcast specifically just to help athletes become a better athlete through education. I feel like that's my role and passion in life. And it seems like that's yours as well with your athletes. And you take a lot of pride in that, um, throughout your experiences, if for any endurance training athlete, that's listening, what would you say is a primary takeaway or key thing that you think that they can do just to become more educated and to really facilitate a healthy training style? and to really optimize their game.
1: Yeah, I think the, the foundation of everything we do is is we focus on being happy and healthy. Yeah, I and, like that. And, and so that, that to me is the foundation and the filter for every decision we make. And, and so what I like to, you know, if I could share with athletes, you know, with that question, I think the answer is like, let's first off identify those things that help keep us happy and healthy. Mm. You know, for some people that is going to be you know, subscribe to a couple podcasts and listen to them when they drive to work or when they run to, right. to kind of open their mind up a little bit. Um, or if they're you know fortunate enough to be able to read nowadays, um, that's yeah. fantastic. Like you know, like you know, subscribe to a journal or find find a, a good training book, understanding that like not all of us have every answer, and right. see if you can get one little nugget out of there. Um, but then there's there's other folks that I work with that that really just Simply just want to be told what to do. Exactly. Like they they want they want to look at the paper and say, "Okay, it's Monday. I'm doing you know, circuit A dynamic warm up, four miles at endurance effort, six strides, and my B circuit, and I'm done."
0: And it's a wrap. Um, going on. Because, they have,
1: because they have so much other stuff going on that allows them to um, not have to think about it too much.
0: One hundred percent. So if I'm um, gathering that, correct me and correct me if I'm wrong, but just to really be aware of your scope as an athlete, do you want to be the athlete that's digging in researching yourself? Do you want to be the athlete that's taking in information or do you need a coach? Like, do you, like, I need a coach, for example, as an athlete myself, I need a coach. I'm a coach, but I need a me coach. Too. I need a coach. Um, and I really, really benefit from having a coach and having that plan because, of my busy schedule in life, like so many other people. So um, primary takeaway there is really hone in your craft and just be self-aware of your needs and demands as an individual and see where you fit within your niche of educating yourself or getting information and so on.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that those can actually also go hand in hand. Like I, I think that having a coach is incredibly valuable um, for most things like that, there's, there's people sure. that, you know, not running related that I talk to quite a bit about being entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, I have very close friends that I talk, talk with a lot about being a parent. You know, I have a four-year-old girl and a two-year-old girl. Um, right. and my primary job is, is to, to try to put them in the best position possible to be healthy and happy and have mm-hmm. great lives. And I think, you know, it, understanding if you, like looking for a coach or using a coach um, doesn't preclude having a whole lot of questions and doing a lot of research. Um, Some really fun athletes that I work with are super studious and will, will bring, will, you know, just hit, hit me with questions like, Hey, I just did this workout. Does that mean, Hey, I read this or I did this and they'll like, boom. And it's, you can tell they've been thinking about this and right. processing it and then they'll put it all in an email or we'll jump on a phone call or a face like hey what about this um and it's great because i know them as individuals mm-hmm. and i can say okay like we're we're now you know we've been together for a year and a half like this is great this is why we're doing what we're doing um what we're talking about you know what your questions are is going to be okay we're going to be able to fit this here as say we're getting ready for the chicago marathon right uh, so we'll take a VO two max block and we'll plug this in here because I think we can do six weeks instead of four because you do a really good job being healthy and, right. and bringing all those things to the table. So I think there's also that middle ground of it's not either you do it all yourself. Do all your research or just trust somebody else. I think there's yeah, that. The there's that
0: yeah, yeah, there's that That's middle the there. there that, line. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Yeah. I like that. Happy and healthy, right? Yes, happy and healthy. That's I feel I feel opinion. like I
1: should tattoo that on my forehead because
0: <laughs> forehead, forehead I'll definitely recognize you at the beach. <laughs> yes, uh, because I,
1: like the reality is like happy and healthy. It's it's so broad and yeah. it's specifically broad. And to me, from. yeah. When I when I work with athletes, and and that's like the, the first conversation we have is, is talking about being happy and healthy, and, and how I'll, I'll frame everything we're doing around that. And I I'm very aware of where my lane is yeah you know and i don't want to step outside of it um so if somebody is um unhappy and we've had a, a hard year um so if somebody is unhappy and they're having you know they need to talk to somebody like okay like let's let's find a professional like somebody that really does this right and 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 get with that person and figure out everything that that you need because if we try to layer training and you've got some other stuff going on that's, that's tough. It's like, I, I don't think that's the right, where, where yeah. our priorities should be. When I'm um, just like healthy, like if, if somebody's got a throbbing shin, yeah. um, and you know, the Honolulu marathon is in a month. Um, yeah, we're not running. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're chilling. You know, let's, let's go see, think- let's go see a physician. Um, and then yeah. let's talk through the, you know, what the physician recommends and then what, what can we do? You know, working with a physician, working with a physical therapist, like what can we do in the meantime that can be non weighted? Like the shin pain, for example, like, okay, can we do work in the water? Can we do work on a bike? Yeah. Jump on, you, know, you know, like what, what are our that. modalities that we can use that can still allow you to heal, but we're not going to lose the last, you know, five months of training or at least minimize or minimize We'll
0: maintain maintain as much as we can let's hold on to what we have yes Yeah. yeah exactly you know i think that's a really interesting point and i'm sure you've probably seen this in your experience as well um i just recently made a post on the stress and response general adaptation syndrome and it seems like so many runners and athletes are taking x program or something and they're just diving right into it and I feel like a lot of people don't understand that our body's response to exercise exercise is stress and yes. we can only handle yep. so much stress in the body yep. and that also includes life stress we have this threshold because we know yep. central nervous system stress is very similar to exercise stress from yep. a chemical level and so on um so when we apply these stresses aka exercise our body improves its functional capacity it improves its ability to handle that stress and if yes. we repeatedly stress, stress, stress the system that's training. That's our goal. Right. But it seems like so many people just jump way above that threshold where they're at and they get injured. So for anyone listening, do you have any like recommendations or directive on like, how do you go about knowing your limits, knowing your scope? For example, I want to run a marathon, but they don't run. Maybe they've only done a 5k, but you probably can't get into a marathon training program just yet. You got to build 10k half. Oh yeah. And so on. Yeah.
1: the big thing is to, is to understand that, that like, like you said, the exercise is the stress. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to kind of layer on one more thing that you're talking about, like the perceived stress and actual stress are equal. equal <laughs> <You know? laughs> For
0: sure,
1: Like if, if you are, um, you know, concerned about whatever that is, like, I'm going to lose my job. Oh my gosh. How am I going like, whatever that perceived stress is, you might as well have lost your job. Like your chemical response yeah. is, is incredibly similar. Um, and so from an exercise standpoint, it's, it's understanding that, okay, this, the, you know, our exercises are stimulus yeah. and we're not going to get the adaptation that we want unless we rest yeah. and recover right. and, you know, hydrate well and eat right. Like all of, all of those things, if we do all of those things, right. In our recovery period, then we get the adaptation that we want, mm from the exercise and getting people to understand that can be kind of challenging, especially working with endurance athletes that, um, tend to be, um, a little bit closer to type a tend to be a bit, a bit more like more, 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 more. Right. It's, it's, it's one of those things like we we have to recover. Yeah. We we just have to, if, if we don't, then we're going to break and right. and that's the thing so you know in talking about somebody, you know say somebody comes to me right now and it's april when we're talking and somebody says hey i want to run the honolulu marathon and i'm not a runner
0: okay okay
1: like i'm not going to say no like i'm, I'm never going to tell an athlete like their dream is
0: oh you can do it we yeah. have to be systematic and strategic in our approach yeah. to and, make- and also
1: figure out where our goals are like yeah, if sure. somebody comes to me and says like hey I'm completely inactive and I'm going to run the Honolulu marathon and I'm going to run it in two hours and 30 minutes. Then we back off and we say, okay, well, let's, we, we, we've got some, you know, significant work to get done. And, and, you know, I'm not gonna say it's not possible, but it's going to be, you know, we need to be honest, you know, so then it's really working, you know, through periodization and setting up like, you know, April to December, Okay, what is this going to look like? And we, we can't just go from zero running to forty miles a week, right? Uh, you know, and then we we build that progression and see what's manageable, mm-hmm. you know, where we can maintain being happy and healthy, and then we set benchmarks along the way to kind of a determine fitness, yeah. you know, where, where where our training paces should be, mm-hmm. um, and then also to see like, okay, are we improving or are we not improving? You know, we right. always want to responding think, or not think- responding. Yeah, I think everybody wants to talk like, okay, we're always going to improve. Well, sometimes life happens. Not always. Yeah, not always. Yeah. And, and so, okay, you know, figuring out what's going to be the thing that works for that athlete. And then, you know, building up, like, if it's that non-runner, okay, like, okay, can we run 5k? Yes. Okay. Can we run 10k? Check. You know, can we get through a half marathon? Check. Um, and essentially making sure we can get to all those checkpoints mm-hmm. safely. Because then, you know, by the time we get to September in our, in our current model, by the time we get to September, we're gonna be a different human than we were
0: when we started in April. 100%, huge transformation.
1: Yeah, and so then it's like, okay, this can be, what you know, be turned into, hey, we might just wind up walking a nine hour marathon. Yeah. To, okay, maybe we're like at a 4.30 range or a five hour range, like what's we real this. for we can us? This. Yeah, and you know, are we going from walking to walk running to running? Um, and it just takes a, a I think that the big thing for people to realize, especially here in Hawaii, because the Honolulu Marathon is such a big draw, um, that I get a lot of athletes that'll reach out to me in like August, September, mm, and you know, we'll have this, this very conversation yeah. that'll just say like, hey, I haven't run since last year's marathon um, really? that I walked in eight hours and I want to do better this year. And like, okay, we're like, whatever, 14 weeks out or 16 weeks out. Like, mm-hmm. we need to have some foundational work prepared yeah. and done. Because if we go from, zero, you know, our, our long run is zero. And if we have 16 weeks, like, we can't go to, you know, from zero to a 13-mile long run in three weeks.
0: Right, 100%. We you yeah. can't. But, but they won't to make it to week the, six. the starting line healthy, happy, and yeah. healthy. They're not going to yeah. make it there in the first place. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. that's exactly it
0: it. I love that. Um, And so with that, talking about running speed, it seems like um, from a lot of people I've worked with, there's there's usually two things that runners are really interested in. One, they either want to run faster or two, they want to run without being hurt. And usually they want to run without being hurt because they want to run faster and they're limited by their performance or they're very passionate about running and hurting is no good. It takes away from your passion. Um, Yes. So to talk on, um, specifically on the injury prevention, I feel like we hit on that pretty well transitioning yeah. into the running speed though. Um, I think you shared something really interesting in our previous conversation that I think is critical for a lot of people to understand, and that's your running is determined by your stride frequency times your stride length, yeah. AKA how quickly you step and how big of a step you take the result of that. The product of those two is your running speed and yeah. that for a lot of people really simplifies I feel like the running gate in biomechanics or kinetics which is what we'll be talking about and kinetics are the things that you can see in biomechanics but with that I know that you did your dissertation work on stride frequency stride length and some kinematic work and some elite runners um and yeah. I think it'd be really interesting to share with anyone that's listening um some of one the key takeaways from that but also what is stride frequency? Is it why is it important in cadence? We hear so much about cadence, right? Oh, yeah. cadence has to be 180. Well, yeah. um, I think it's best to hear from you. What? Why is it good to be 180? Or how do we transition towards? I think what's maybe a better term is a slightly faster cadence than what we okay. naturally feel. is probably a little bit better economical term um, to get there. But just to dive into those things, so we can start with stride frequency and your thoughts. And I know this is really your niche, so on stride frequency and cadence first and foremost, like, what is it? How do you yeah. improve it? Should we even think about improving it?
1: You know, I, I cause you know, it's, essentially we talk frequency. It's how many, how many steps we're going to take in a minute. And, and the big thing is, you know, especially here and, and you've introduced yourself to the trails at Tantalus. Um, so working with, with trail runners as in addition to, you know, road endurance athletes, you know, it's, it's how many steps we're going to take and what do those steps yeah. look? like? are they you know if you're up on those trails you're pitter patter pitter patter pitter like yeah. you're like a little mountain goat yes. so your, your lengths are going to be really really small and they're really going right. to be dictated by what we're going to step on or over um, but, but broader it's it's okay how many of those we need to do we need to take in order to get where we want to go mm-hmm. that's where we talk we talk about frequency and yeah there is there's a lot of talk about 180 um there again like we spoke about before everybody's their own individual So you might have some people that function really, really well at 190. Um, You might have some people that function really well at 165 and then it's tuning in like, okay, would that 165 person be significantly better if we could get closer to 170 or 175?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And same thing with
1: the 180 or the 190 person, if we could maybe lengthen their step out a bit. But I think the big thing is the interplay between that that stride rate and that that stride length yeah i love that i feel like
0: that's critical
1: yeah those two they they go hand in hand and you know for the for the most part it being at 180 sounds great but if your steps are you know a foot long yeah you're not not getting anywhere
0: look kind of funny Mm -hmm. you're gonna look a little yeah yeah Yeah, for sure i mean you've got some really
1: really fast feet you know it looks like you're at the one of the speed ladders yes
0: captain jack sparrow trying to run
1: yes yeah that's very that. yeah, that's perfect yeah <laughs> um like and this. so like those really those play you know together and so we have to have you know a stride length that works well in relation with your stride frequency
0: 100%. and
1: in, in finding you know where those match is is the big key so i think when people get caught up in oh i'm at 180 or you know if i added this it's it's half of the equation
0: 100 and and you have
1: to be able to to address both and like we we talked about um you know before we got on like i think that the big thing is working you know developing the strength kind of in that that pelvic core you know Mm -hmm. i think i always i always talk about belly buttons to your knees because that just that tube right there, if that's all strong um, and can put your pelvis and your hips in a really good spot mechanically to do the things you want to get done, all of a sudden, 180 is pretty attainable. 180 with a really, really solid stride length is super attainable. Mm-hmm. And then we can work on you know, knee placement in the stride, foot placement in the stride, and you work on power coming off the ground. Um, and that's where we're essentially going to get that longer step
0: length. Makes sense. Yeah, um, I think it's, you mentioned on something with with stride frequency and the relationship between stride length. And I think that's really important because we see a lot of people also talking about another huge theme in running is the heel strike. Oh, the classic heel strike. And it's not that I I have a kind of a neutral stance on the heel strike because some people land relatively flat with the heel strike. But Mm -hmm. some people have a really excessive heel strike, which results in a huge excessive force going in the heel up through into the knee. And that can cause a lot of issues. So I'm a big proponent of landing flat footed, transitioning on to the forefoot. Um, But what I see a lot of times is that relationship. Usually when the cadence is a little low, people try to compensate with increasing their stride length and they reach out in front of their center of mass and they Mm -hmm. stick their heel out. And when yeah. they stick their heel out and jam the heel, one of two things happens that's no bueno. One of which, that resultant force actually slows you down because the force is coming back into you. And yeah. then two, the resultant force also doesn't absorb in the foot, Achilles, and up through the calf. It goes right to the knee and up into the hip, jamming yes. that back into the socket, which yeah. is definitely no bueno. So yeah. I, when I do gait analysis with a lot of individuals, if I see a heel strike, I usually suggest trying to increase their cadence five to 10% just Fair. to help them shorten their stride a little bit, because I feel like that naturalizes or normalizes their tendency mm-hmm. to yeah. land, not overreach and so on. Yeah. Um, thoughts on that? Uh,
1: the, the way, and I, I, I'm totally with you. I really try to get people to onto that midfoot strike yeah. just from the standpoint of what I see when I, when I do some gait analysis work is when that, that leg gets locked, you know, essentially yeah, when, when
0: that terminal extension and sticks straight out. Yeah. yeah it's Like a pogo oh, stick jamming. Yeah. Right down.
1: Yeah. We have, you know, when we land with a flexed ankle, uh, a fully extended knee and with that heel in front of the center of mass. Yeah. That's just, you know, going straight up. Yeah. And yeah. the way I try to describe it to people is we have to have an active foot. We just have to like so the thing is and, and we can you can phrase that as as increasing their stride frequency but at the same time if their foot is active underneath them in that stride cycle um i talk about being responsible for spinning the earth when you're running mm, so, i like that so if, like while that. you're running your run, like if if you have active feet um you know if you think hey my job today is i have to spin the earth i have to be able to have that foot active underneath this the whole time so that that addresses our front end mechanics right as well as our back end mechanics
0: yeah yeah that's it's really, really hard
1: to have, have an active foot and have as lots of endurance runners do like non existent back end mechanics right like so many yeah. endurance runners like we're all pushers like mm-hmm. we talked about before so they they really focus on getting that there and then we have momentum and so the hips everything is moving forward right and we we've we've done a good job with our steps for 30 or 40 feet we have momentum and now we just kind of reach and we pick ourselves up we reach and we yeah. pick it back up again yeah yeah and if you if you work on having that active foot underneath us we're also going to engage the hamstrings we're going to engage the glutes um right. that heel is going to come up a little bit more on the backside and then when the heel comes up a little bit more on the backside it makes it easier to swing through Mm-hmm. use the hip flexor, bring up the knee a little bit more, swing the shank out, yeah. have an active foot underneath us. And then all of a sudden we're in a position where if we're strong enough, we've increased our stride length. And in that example, actually increased our frequency a bit right. as well. We're going to become a faster runner without sacrificing either one of those variables.
0: One of those variables. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that, that's a great, I love the uh, analogy spin the earth beneath you. I feel like that's a very... Simple cue that makes you feel. Um, I went to. I'll never forget. I went to a Cirque du Soleil in Portland, um, and I, I can't remember when. I don't know if you've ever been, but there's this huge bike, hamster wheel, basically, and there's this dude at the top sprinting on it. And as he was yeah. accelerate, the hamster wheel would go faster, and he'd sprint faster, and so on. So I yeah. have that very vividly in my head. Spin the wheel beneath you, but I really appreciate how that handles both the front side and backside mechanics. Um, yeah. Because it's a two component model. It's a two for one queue that can really yeah. help people. Um, so question for you with that. So for anybody listening that maybe knows that they have a heel strike or wants to experiment with their cadence and see if they can get a little faster in without too much more effort and increase their economy. How would you suggest that that somebody does that? So, for example, like if I go on a run today, let's say I have a threshold run and I'm going to just try and hold a good pace for, you know, a yeah. 10K. Do I think about it the whole time? Am I constantly trying to spin the earth, or does that make sense? Like, how do I practice? It does. It? I,
1: I would actually recommend if it's a workout day, you're not thinking about it.
0: Okay, got um, it.
1: So so I would the way that I I, I like to address mechanical issues um, essentially starts with drills, yeah, dynamic warm ups and strides. Okay. And so and and on workout days we'll do we'll do dynamic warm up, um, possibly do some drills. And then do some strides, and then do the workout. Okay. And then on uh, endurance effort days, so our recovery days, um, our our general mileage days, we'll do strides at the end of our run. Okay. And and to me, that's when we that's our that's step one.
0: Got it. So strides, really in step. the strides. Like I I
1: love strides. Like we yeah, were um, you know, at, at Davis. Like you know we had a really nice field. Um, barefoot
0: strides. Bare, like we did barefoot strides every day. Got it. And, um, really yeah, ingraining yeah. the motor pattern, learning yes. the motor mechanics of the barefoot stride. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's it's a
1: scenario where those are only like 20 seconds long. Right. Like We can all focus for 20
0: seconds. 100%. And then you
1: can rest. And like, if you're running with a buddy, it's really easy to do your strides because right. uh, we were all at that point like, oh, I'm Leroy Burrell. Oh, you know, it, <laughs> okay. we would all play those games. We're all a bunch of like, you know, scrawny, like 15 minute 5k guys like doing barefoot strides. Yeah. But it was one of those things where yeah, it reinforced the, the neuromuscular patterns. Okay. To where then, like then once you have those and you're comfortable with those, then you can take those into your endurance effort days. I see. And where where then you can kind of start working on patterns and okay, I'm gonna think about this for a minute. I'm gonna think about what my mechanics look like um, from here to the corner. Yeah, and really you know, like the, kind of the, the eating an elephant approach, one bite at a time. Right, one bite at a time. As opposed to okay, today on my ten mile run, I'm going to focus on, um, you know, bringing bringing my knee my knee up from my hip, yeah. and I'm really going to focus on that.
0: Because you um, can't do that for an hour hour and a half. No, or, that's hour exactly
1: hour. it. So so understand. if we can if we can work on that through our strides, and then start to work on that piece by piece through our endurance effort runs. Right. Because then on, on workout day, that's already hard.
0: Yeah, just get after it. Just go yeah. hard. Let's just and, and, get it done. Know, hard. Yeah,
1: we, we can ultimately, you know, you know, kind of, you know, as, as we're building this masterpiece of a meal, yeah. um, you know, we, we can really focus on getting the work done that we need to get done. And over time, especially if we later in the drills, you know, in the warm-up stuff. I, I think that's incredibly valuable. And then there, the other side of that is we have to make sure that we're strong enough to be able to do that. Even yeah. if it's just in, in some yeah. really simple, um, you know, body weight work, that's if it's more than what they're already doing as an athlete, then that's a win. If you have an athlete that already has a well-established, um, you know, four to six hour routine that they're doing, well, then it's it's looking through the routine that they have and yeah. okay, how can we specifically target like some of these postural muscles to make sure that we're in a great position to execute on, you know, on runtime?
0: Got it. Yeah, 100%. I really, I really like and appreciate that, that piece of layering it in with strides. I feel like that's huge. Yeah. That That's an, a gem in itself because you're allocating actually a lot of time because um, in all the programs, I'm not sure about you, but all the programs I write, there's a stride anytime that you're running at the end of the dynamic warm-up, there are strides, maybe yes. less, maybe more, yeah. but you need to be at a yeah. very high speed, ha- faster than your race base, learning about oh. the kinetics and kinematics about how do you move faster? How do you propel yourself faster? Yeah. Um, because I feel like the one thing that a lot of endurance runners aren't doing, and especially our novice to intermediate runners is running really fast. Yeah, I hear a lot, okay, I want to run a 5K in, let's say, 15 minutes to make the math easy. Okay, yeah. roughly, you need to do a five-minute mile. How yeah. many minutes a week are you spending at that speed? The answer is usually uh-huh. not very much. Yes. So, okay, for you to get there, then we're going to need to spend some time in like almost the 430 range, just yeah. getting comfortable there. We're going to need to push back really fast, doing some 200s and things like that to get you to that, that speed and get comfortable with that speed.
1: Yeah. And so we'll, we'll, we do something just a little different. Cause I, I think you're dead on, especially when we look at like a, a 15 minute, like a, a really fast, right. Fast athlete. Um, We'll do our strides with the athletes that I work with more kind of in that, like that 75 to 80% range. Okay. So it's not, it's, so it's not a full sprint. Um, oh, yeah. it, there There is a ton of value kind of in that, that hundred, you know, over hundred mm-hmm. percent essentially. Do um,
0: so often too though.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that the, the hard part is for just just for me, because I think when you're working with um, elite athletes or athletes that you you can see, like if you're on the track with them, right. and you, can, you can really be That's there. And you, Good point. Yeah, you, you can be there and you can identify like, okay, hey, we're going to do eight of these 200s, and they're going to be max speed efforts. And we're yeah. going to take you know, three to five minutes to, to walk jog you know, at 200 before we start really attacking the efforts and, and working at yeah. speed. Um, that's one thing if, if you have supervision, you know, supervision, right. When, but if you're when the wheels start wobbling, we can, we can pull back. We can say, we're done. yep,
0: we're hey, done. That's enough." Oh yeah. I like to pick out athletes individually. You you're done. Why? No, no just please. You're done. Hamstring is yeah. going to go on the next one. We're yes. moving on. You're yeah. done and, you met and, your and capacity so, for the day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and with a lot of the athletes that we work with, you know, I, I not, I'm not able to supervise them. I see. And, yeah. and oh. so what we'll work on, you know, the, the athletes, I'll, I'll take the example of when we do a VO2 max block mm-hmm. somewhere. And I don't do it with all of our athletes. I just do it with the ones that I think are, are at a right. place where you're ready for it. Yeah, um, Because the, like we really have to have a level of communication that just right. because they see that we're doing 10 400s um, with you right. know, four right. to five minutes recovery, that might not mean we're doing 10 400s. Like if we're gonna get to six, and that's all the benefit we're gonna get from that workout, then yeah. we're gonna pull the plug. And they need to have, they need to understand that, not just because I didn't, you know, I always joke, like I didn't come off of, of Coco Crater with two, you know, stone carving, you know, it says this is exactly yeah. how it's done. Like everything's right. very flexible. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's there's a ton of value in in the, the really really fast speed work, yeah. Um, just making sure that the athlete is ready.
0: I love to, I love that approach. How do you think? So for for anyone listening, for example, or even your athletes, like how do you help someone understand when it's time is time? Because we talked about this before, right? You have a stress yeah. response, and exercise is a stress, and yeah. so our body doesn't recognize six 400s versus 10 400s, it just recognizes the stress load. Like, yeah. holy shit, this is gnarly. Yeah. Or yeah. like, I'm kind of okay, but this is getting gnarly. For yes. example. So as an athlete, sometimes it's hard when you get prescribed 10 400s. You're like, okay, I got to finish my 10. But really, yeah. maybe six is the right optimum load for you that day because maybe you have, if you're a collegiate athlete, a test. If you're a parent, maybe your kid is needs yeah. some lo- extra love that day. Or partner, colleague, whatever it is, there's so many other things, right? So yeah. how do you help people or your athletes understand when is it time to pull the plug and that it's okay. They're actually going to adapt more. They're going to get a better adaptation if they pull the plug early rather than overdo it.
1: I, I think that the big thing is, is getting athletes to understand that everything's about communication, mm. um, you know, and, and making sure that we're in a position in, with our relationship where they feel, they feel comfortable a with questions and B, like, I won't prescribe that unless they really understand what we're, what we're looking for. Makes sense. Um,
0: Makes sense. And, and we'll,
1: we'll have a conversation very similar to like what you and I are having right now. Yeah. Uh, hey, this is what this is going to look like. You know, the only thing we have, like, you know, if it's one of those things, like our long run in a VO2 max cycle will be like maybe eight, 10 miles tops. Yeah. Um, on, a, on a Saturday or Sunday. And we'll do a track workout and a, a hill rep workout. So the hill rep workout is hard, but there's nothing that's necessarily attached. Like there's no ego attached to that. It's not around a track. There's not like, Hey, we know the effort we want because we ad- identified it on the track. 100%. Now we're going to go someplace and, and work on, on our strength at that same effort level kind of going, going up and, you know, essentially a walk recovery. Um, but having really open communication that's about crazy. the expectations is it's, it's, it's massive. Yeah. Uh, and when you have that relationship with the athlete, it makes it significantly easier to, to manage. 100%. And of course, mistakes, mistakes happen. And they, they might, you know, if they pull it too early, okay, we pulled it too early, we learn, we talk about it, we figure it out. If they pulled it too late, then we make adjustments to what's going on. 100%. If it was a Tuesday workout. Okay, what does Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday look like? If we...
0: How do we adapt, you know, pivot, make the most of it later yeah. this week? Or how do we adjust and decrease the load and, and the stress later this week? Yes. To help adapt. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. What would you say for an athlete? So I'm putting myself in, um, I actually ran the 400 in high school um, and the classic term booty lock, AKA you're at the end. Yeah. Hamstrings are locked, the glutes locked, right? Yep. Um, for me, that was in races. A lot of times in training, I wouldn't get that until the sixth, maybe eighth rep of really going hard. Would yeah. you say that that is a solid cue if you're out training on your own, if you're starting to seize up, at the, before you hit the end of that, that that's probably a cue that if you keep pushing at that, you might pop a hamstring or something's going so that make sense. Yeah. What are some specific cues that you might give after you have this conversation to yeah. help somebody understand that actual physical threshold they might feel?
1: Yeah, I think, that, and that's a, that's a great one. Like we always used to joke. My, my first coaching job ever was at my high school as the sprint coach.
0: Okay. Got it. Um,
1: so I, I, I broke my elbow when I was a freshman in junior college. And dropped out of school because I couldn't drive a stick shift. And our high school needed I, – I had a fantastic high school coach, and he needed a sprint coach.
0: Oh, wonderful. And he knew
1: I wanted to coach. That works. Like, he's like, I'll teach you. Like, we had yeah. books, videos. He took so much extra time. Like, I owe my career. Like, I, Lance Harder, amazing. Michael Walsh, yeah. those, those two. Without, without those two, I, there's no way I'm doing what I'm doing. And, and we used to work on it. We used to joke, like, 352 yards. Because okay. you know, that you know, it was the 440. And we yeah. joke, like if somebody just went out of the block super crazy fast and, and you'd watch and you're like, there's the 352 right there. Because that's when it just, everything sees
0: the third turn.
1: Totally upright. And it's yes. just this big, awful mess to get home. Um, I think the big thing is, is make sure the athlete's paying attention. Right. Uh, you know, and, and we do this, it's not just with speed work. It's, it's with everything we're doing. Like we start like if we talk about, say like mileage on your shoes, yeah. uh, which, um, you know, like I, you know, I'm a little bit of a bigger guy. And so I set a, a an alarm on my Strava for okay. 250 miles. I yeah. rotate each of my shoes, but when I hit 250, some shoes might get to 500 and that's great. But yeah. after 250, what I tell athletes and what I do as well is that the next run you do in those shoes where you feel something that's not normal. Yeah, those shoes are now like I, not, I used so to leave them in Capilano Park because somebody else can use them. Yeah, um, run in, but somebody can wear them.
0: Definitely,
1: and, I like that. Um, and use them, and I think that um, you know when we're doing fast work, it's it's they have to know where those cues are. Right. They have to go pick up like okay, and, and the athletes that I, I put through those protocols, for the most part, they have those things like locked in. They understand like hey. If my hamstring starts to feel a little funky on rep six, that's it. It's a, we're we're good. Cool down. Good. We'll make cool adjustments. Down, move
0: on. Recover. Yeah. You'll be good for the next workout rather yes. than push it. Yeah. Now we lose two weeks of training because we're nursing, rehabbing, and yeah. so on, and we're still on track. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a huge, huge and critical takeaway. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dr. Garrison, it's been incredible to have you. Is there anything for any of our listeners that is like again, uh, just a key takeaway to help somebody become a better and more educated athlete, if you could leave them with anything that we've talked about or anything else, what would that be?
1: Oh, I think that the, the big one that I would leave is, um, and you and I talked about this before, you might not realize this would be the answer when I'm going to give it to you. But here we okay. go. Um, I think we all get caught up as endurance athletes in, in number of miles per week. And we try to squeeze in, the, okay, I'm going to squeeze in the volume that I can. If we're running the example we talked about before is 40 miles a week. I would much rather people did their, you know, and take that time instead of forty miles a week. Take that extra time, run thirty to thirty-five miles a week, and and do your dynamic warm up, do all your right. drills, um, do your strides afterwards. Um, you know, Almost do our stretch, you know, you know, recover, Yeah, like all the all these like the self care items. Um, it's it's not sexy. Yeah. But it will make a. a absolute noticeable difference in time. Um, and you're going to be healthier. And, and yeah. the bottom line is we want to be healthy and happy. So I think that's the, that, that to me is the big takeaway. If they could, if you can manage that and it's hard, it's really hard because we all want, if we have an hour, we want to go run for
0: an hour. Right. 100%. Uh, you'll, um, you'll like cut shower time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Else that is, you're like I've oh, been waiting in 46 minutes. I'm going to run for 45 and a half. Yeah. There
1: you go. <laughs> yes. That's exactly it. Like I've already got my shoes on. I'm ready. Um, right. I just think I think spending a little more time on the self-care um, and then I'm going to say one more thing um, that we didn't talk about before and I know we're trying to wrap up but okay. as, as we all like get vaccinated and all this kind of like like start to run with people like yeah. when it's safe um, right. I love start, that. Start to on people because um, I, I think we all we all miss I mean I'm not sure we're all ready to hug yet um, but yeah. I, I think that I think that that having some outlets where we can like talk in person and be around people. It's been a right. tough year for a lot of folks. And, um, even folks that you may think like had their stuff together, um, maybe they just want to go for a nice, easy run yeah. and, and have somebody to, you know, talk about their favorite band or talk, whatever's like on their mind, like just talk story. Like, yeah. You I think that's miles be... off with
0: friends. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Disappear at crazy fast paces too. Yes. They Yeah, that is huge, and that is something that I feel like every runner needs right now is is a running friend. So, if you're listening, if you're able and willing, throw on a mask. Another thing, too, um, real quick also running with a mask. Oh, goodness, so many people without a mask. And my thought on it is that if you should always have one with you, one a buff is great because you can slip it up and slip it down too. So, try to stay away from the really thick, double ended masks. Um, but Uh, Any thoughts on mask? And I hear so many people. I hate running with the mask, but it's like it's not about you; it's about everyone else. How do we? How do we appreciate and respect each other? So, any thoughts on like rocking a buff or like I use the buff and I just pull it up and pull it down. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I run with a buff every day, um, and I've been and have been every day for whatever we're on, like 15 months now or 14 months. Um, And and I think I I agree with you. It's it's more about everybody else. Like I think the way that I would. The way that I do manage it is I try not to run A where there's a whole bunch of people around. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, most, most of my routes, I can run with it down almost all the time. Yeah. If I see somebody, you know, kind of, you know, it coming opposite direction or if I'm passing people, just put it on. Because yeah. for the most part, it's like 30 so seconds.
0: Yeah, it's like so easy. Pull it up,
1: um, you know, and then I think as we, as we get vaccinated, as we're, as we're actually, you know, talking right now, the CDC is working on new guidelines um, on outdoor mask wearing. Right. Which um, you know, I think I think that there's, from what I understand, uh, I'm not a virologist, um, or like I'll stay in my lane. Um, but I think that the they're learning that the transmission outside is is really small. Minimal. Um, so if if we can stay away from each other, for the most part, we're going to be okay if we're outside. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, the by the time this goes live, hopefully the CDC has has carved that out. Um, <laughs> hopefully. I'm a big believer in in listening to people that are are well trained and um, and and can do the research for us. And I think they're they're a, a reasonably smart. Uh, yeah, we're, on the right yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. we're on the right track. Yeah, yeah, on the right track. Yeah, wonderful. Um, so before we take off the Hawaii Running Lab, if you haven't heard of it and you're listening, first and foremost, the gear is just flat out dope. It is. Thank you. <laughs> so, like it is just sweet. Like the hibiscus. Uh, I think the hibiscus singlet. Like it is. It is awesome. But um, could you tell us a little bit about all of the services that you offer? Um, the virtual yeah. races, everything that you going on, have going on, and where can people find you and contact you? Because you are one of the most elite coaches I've talked to. And how can we get people in your door working with you to get hopefully to the starting line of the Honolulu marathon that I think might actually go in December. I think it's, I agree. I think it's going to go I as think well. it might um, go, but how do we get people to you? How do we get people ready here in Hawaii and across the world ready for their races coming up? Yeah.
1: So we, thank you for that. So uh, you can get us at hawaiirunninglab.com. Um, you can also like follow us on Instagram or Facebook, which is just Hawaii Running Lab. Um, my contact info is on our website or on our social media accounts as well. Um, the phone, when you call Hawaii Running Lab is is this phone. Um, So it's, you know, it's a, it's a mom and pop business. It's my wife and I, and um, we run it out of our home. So it's the coaching options. We do a couple different written plans. Uh, One we call is our let's talk plan, which is just every four weeks. And that includes unlimited communication back and forth with me. And that can be, that's completely on the athlete um, in terms of, you know, frequency and duration. Yeah. Kind of keep keep that in the, in the biomechanics side of it. And, and some of our athletes do that and we don't chat for four weeks. And some we like are texting daily.
0: Yeah, use it um, as you need it.
1: Yeah, just it's, it's, it's um, yeah, we're, we're here when you need that. And the, the plan is written specifically for each individual. Um, it's all delivered on a Microsoft Word document. That's how kind of old school I am. <laughs> and uh, we also have another written plan that, as we call it our I got this plan. It's really designed for, for more experienced runners that just want an individual plan okay. uh, based on what they're doing. And it's written with the same exact care. Uh, it's just a bit less in, in terms of cost. And uh, that's four weeks, eight weeks, and 12 weeks. Uh, when we first started, uh, I had that all the way out to 26 weeks or 24 weeks. I guess 24 weeks was our longest. And what, right. what I learned, what I learned in that was just in my experience, like getting 12 weeks of really solid, consistent training where there's no hiccups is an incredible challenge. Yeah, yeah that's tough in um, itself. And, and so people would sign up for these 24 week blocks because it was less expensive. Right. And would get to a point and they, you know, they would get sick or something would happen with life or they'd travel or whatever those things were, and they would just fall off. Right. And would feel lost. Like, I don't want anybody to ever feel lost with their training. 100%. Uh, And so we shorten those up a little bit. And then we also do just an hourly meetup that we call our let's meet. Um, We've been doing a a lot of those over, you know, FaceTime and telephone in the last year. Um, Also do those in person now. And, um, and that's really completely driven by the athlete. Um, I do that with athletes that I don't coach, as well as athletes that I do coach. Okay. And and, and it's just based on whatever they want to talk about. Yeah. Um, The gear we design it all. It's our own, it's our own label. Um, nice. you know, we're, we're hoping to get it into some local running stores, local, like mainland running stores here in the next, you know, hopefully in the next few months, we'll see how that goes. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's the easiest way to get us Hawaii lab.com. And we'd love to, uh, we're always taking athletes and we're here to help.
0: Awesome. Well, Dr. Grayson has been an absolute pre- pleasure. You have dropped some serious gems. I'm sure people <laughs> really appreciate it. Um, so again, so- thank you for tuning in to the educated athlete podcast. Uh, stay tuned for the next one. We'll be dropping soon.
1: Awesome. Aloha.